I wish you a happy new year, for this is the start of the new church year. Advent is that great moment in which we look forward to the coming of Jesus, not only in his infancy, but also in his majesty. And so Advent is that moment in which even our own culture today that is so long separated from the calendar of the church looks with longing to the coming of Christmas. And so we in the Anglican tradition holding on to that great 2,000 year tradition of Christianity, we know that God has promised to come and so we call to him to come quickly. This is the new year, a time to turn over a new leaf to give our attention to New Year's resolutions. But the funny thing about the church's New Year's resolutions is that it is the same set of resolutions that we were to have last year and the year before and the year before for 2,000 years. And if the Lord wills and he comes 2,000 years hence, our New Year's resolutions will be the same year after year, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to seek his will in the midst of this world that he loves so much and yet has fallen so far from his glory, that the church calls us again new sprung this time of year in Advent to consider how it is that God's promises are made new to us and yet they are ever old that they call us to the greater calling, the higher calling of glory, which awaits those who have faith in the sun. The Advent calendar, the Advent wreath, the chocolates, lighting candles, reading lessons around the dinner table at home, all of these are great ways to mark the time. But that is indeed what we are about in this season of Advent, to mark the time. We look forward to the moment in which Christ returns to us, that we might see him in glory. And the Eucharistic lessons that meet us each week through the Advent season are some of our most favorite. And it is worth noting that they have been substantially unchanged since the 5th century. It is an astonishing reality that we gather together these weeks of the church year to read these passages that Christians East and West have read together almost entirely the same for the better part of 1,500 years. The idea of the Catholic faith, the faith that is unchanged, the faith that is received at the hands of the apostles, that is spread abroad among all nations, tongues, and languages throughout all time, these, la- these lessons of Advent confirm that deep mystery to us. The Eucharistic lessons are not chosen at random, but instead these passages were chosen from the earliest of moments to confirm to us the great truth of the Christian faith. The epistles and the gospels of the succeeding weeks interpret one another leading us forward to the expectation of the coming of Christ the King. Each Sunday's lessons point to and reaffirm the same message, which is is that we wait now in the midst of time while we look forward to the coming of the King to confirm what he had begun in his infancy. 
a logical development then from week to week showing us how he comes and in what way his coming changes not only our lives but also the whole of the world. Next week, one of our most beloved collects, Advent 2, in which we have often called the Sunday commonly as Bible Sunday, that God has given all scripture to be heard, read, marked, learned, and inwardly digested. Father Heaton will preach next Sunday, and so I won't burn up his homily today. But nonetheless, we are reminded in the Advent season how it is that the Christian hope is built firmly upon the promises of God given to us in his scripture. And so we as Anglicans, this long and honored tradition among our Christian brothers and sisters, Anglican spirituality is finally built upon meditation on those scriptures. We may, Father Heaton and I may from time to time take you through different details, whether it be theological or scriptural or devotional. But finally, at its heart, Anglicanism is a studied, lifelong commitment to reading and praying through the scriptures. That's what our prayer book and our lectionary especially invites us to do. To come together corporately, yes, but also individually, reading the scriptures patiently, praying through the scriptures, inviting God to change our lives, to conform us to the image of his son presented to us in the books of scripture. And so this theme comes full to the fore in the season of Advent, that we presented the person of Christ in his first advent, now look forward to his coming in glory at his second advent. So advent is a multi-layered season. It is often confusing, and that's compounded by the choice of gospel lessons to open the season. Isn't the gospel that we just heard read the Palm Sunday gospel? It seems as though we've zapped forward past all of Jesus's early childhood, his early ministry, straight on to Holy Week. We're at Palm Sunday now. What sense does that make at all? But this gospel lesson confirms to us the theme of expecting the arrival of the glorious King. St. Thomas Aquinas commented that we, in the season of Advent, celebrate three comings of Christ. First, in his coming in as a child, in his first coming to us incarnate, in the flesh. The second coming, as is presented to us, is in judgment, ad judicium, in judgment that we expect at the conclusion of this age. But these are not the only two comings that we celebrate in the season of Advent, and it is this particular coming that we hear about in our gospel lesson, which is his present coming to us at the moment, daily, moment by moment, by the power of the Spirit in our hearts and in our minds. St. Thomas refers to that as in mentis, in our minds or in our spirit. So these three comings of Christ develop this multi-layered thickness of the Advent season, where Christ does not come to us just simply as the cute baby in the manger, 
so often we are tempted to think that if he would just simply be that baby child that we could really love him for who he truly is, but that is only a, a terrible misunderstanding of the coming of Christ. Yes, we gather and we shall gather here in just a few weeks around the crash and we shall sing Christmas carols to the newborn child and we love him. But he did not come simply to remain a child, but to grow in grace and the knowledge of God and the honor of his fellow men and to rule the nations with justice. And so we celebrate that second coming, but we would miss all of the joy of that of that moment if he did not come to us day by day, converting us in our hearts and souls to become like him in our own lives and following him in faith and love. And so we see then this great emphasis in the season of Advent, his first, his second, and his daily coming to us, guiding us by his spirit, accusing us, forgiving us, enlivening us. This is the great and deep theme of the Advent season. We find then that the gospel lesson develops this in a great drama with Jesus acclaimed by the crowds. And we look forward to his coming not simply being acclaimed by the Jewish nation, but by all nations, as we sang in our hymn just a moment ago, how all nations will fall down and worship him. And we, in this middle time, look forward to that moment in which we call the nations to that great momentous occasion. But the epistle lesson, as we find in Paul's letter to the Romans, speak to that great calling that all Christians bear in this middle time. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for the one who has loved the other has fulfilled the whole law. Loving is often associated with some kind of sentiment, but that is exactly not what Paul is after here. Loving one another is desiring their greatest good, to seek out those who are in danger or are in sickness or in any way distressed, as our prayer book says, and to seek their greatest good, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to give homes to the homeless, to bury the dead. All of these are the great and classical works of mercy to seek the greatest good of the other. But as we know, our own physical needs pale in comparison to the deeper spiritual needs to show in our own lives and to offer those who will hear the great good news of Christ who has come to bring forgiveness to the whole world. And so Paul, in his concluding chapters of his letter to the Roman church, says that they owe no one anything except to offer this deep, sacrificial love to one another, for in it is drawn up within it all of the Ten Commandments and all of the law of the Old Testament. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covenant. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to his neighbor. Therefore, it is the fulfilling of the law. This is the business of the church. This is the business of the Christian life. Why? Because it's Advent. Because it's Advent. Knowing the time, Paul says, that now it is high time 
to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. Some of the most inspirational and shocking language in all of the Bible. Certainly the most, some of the most memorable. You see, my friends, the early church saw the whole course of history as one long preliminary act, as though stumbling through shadows and darkness, waiting for the coming of the light. But Paul says, now with the advent of Christ, the day has indeed come. The day has dawned. The sun is breaking on the horizon. Reality, as human beings had known it, has definitively changed. God himself has taken upon himself human flesh and has taken his place upon the throne. Reality has now changed. And because reality has changed, our behavior must change. We cannot any longer live in rioting and drunkenness, not in adultery, not in strife or envying one another, We have to live differently because the time has changed. That great teacher of the church, St. Augustine, in the 5th century, read these words in the garden as he heard that angelic voice, take up and read, take up and read, and he opened the Bible, and it was these pages that opened to him, not in chambering or wantonness, not in rioting or drunkenness, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision of the flesh, to fulfill the lusts thereof. This is the moment in which his life changed and the world was never the same after Augustine's great ministry. And we, each one, following in that great train, the tradition, the teaching of the church, the gifts of the scriptures, the gift of the spirit, we have changed. We now think about the world differently than those who did not know Christ. In fact, it's not just simply that in our own lives we have changed, but we place it literally in stone. It's churches oriented to the rising of the sun. But the church was to look east, always expecting the coming of the Christ, the King, just as we saw the sun rise each morning from the east. The whole of the Christian life, you see, now points for the coming of Christ. Yes, in judgment, but also in fulfillment and finally in love. That the whole of the church and the whole of the Christian life now is pointed towards the coming of the Christ. It's not just Advent in December, you see. It's always looking forward to that great coming. And so it is right then that we have our annual meeting today. For the mission of all saints is informed by all three of these comings of Christ We are made new in the coming of Christ in his flesh and dying upon the cross and rising again for our justification, ascending to the right hand of the Father. But we are made new in our expectation, looking forward to that moment in which he will come and we work in the midst of that truth to bring the world to know him and love him. And we at All Saints Through the business of the church, yes, it may not be the exciting, most exciting moment in your Christian life to come and sit in a business meeting, but we speak about the things of the kingdom. 
the coming of Christ to us each day as we are about the work of this parish. Life with one another, yes, but also reaching out into the community of Lynchburg and into the greater community all around us. It is this Advent that we proclaim as Christians, but also as the parish of all saints. I wish you all a holy Advent. Amen.